1: Welcome one and all to the Storybox podcast, the place to be if you are a lover of stories. My name is Jay Phantom, former real estate agent, now living my purpose, sharing amazing stories from people all over the world. I'm grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. It is the Storybox Podcast one-year anniversary, and I'm thrilled to have you here for this week. Uh, Today, my friends, I have another powerful and special interview uh, that I have waited since to this point to actually release. Her name is, or stage name, is DJ Tiger Lily, or otherwise known as Dara Hayes. Now, if you don't know who Dara is, she is a DJ, a producer, and wellness enthusiast, She's an everyday Aussie girl. She's an ocean-loving, yoga-doing, health and wellness enthusiast who wears active wear on a daily basis. I can concur with her. I always wear Do You Even, the brand, pretty much everywhere I go. Uh, Dara grew up in Maroubra Beach in Sydney, so she's a Sydney girl, uh, which is even more amazing. And um, what she loves is dance music. She developed that as as a teenager and... She's been able to play in front of tens of thousands of people all over the world from Australia, Asia, Europe, and the USA, which she says is a dream come true for her. She's sponsored by many, many different brands, one of them being JBL, and she's a proud ambassador for Lifeline, PETA, and You OK? Day, which I think is very admirable and one of the organizations that I personally admire. Uh, she is signed with Universal Mu- Music, Universal Music Australia, and she is honestly like, if you don't know any of her music, I highly encourage you to go and have a look at it. It's quite inspiring, um, and same with all her work. She, she, you know, she's really um, passionate about a lot of things, and one of those being veganism and music at the same time, health, wellness, fitness, the whole whole bit. And this interview is is another special one to me because we go all over the place uh, talking about some of the things that I love, one of them being health and fitness and why she is so passionate about veganism in the first place. And I ask her a lot of good questions about that, which she answers, sorry, Dara, uh, I'm still not a vegan. (laughs) Uh, I know you tried, but for all those vegan lovers out there, she did try to convert me. She did very well, but unfortunately didn't get it across the line. (laughs) I'm still a meat loving human being. Um, But yeah, sorry for all those vegans that are listening right now. Don't hate me, please. Uh, But anyway, I know you guys are going to love this interview. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of good content in here for you guys. We just had, there's a lot of good energy um, during this interview. So with that being said, my friends, I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you do love this interview, then please share it around to your friends and your family members. Let them know about this one. Um, and also leave a five star rating and review over on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way and helps. It really does help um, spread awareness and help build this community. Um, kind of sound like a broken down record each time I say that, but it really does mean a lot. So you can also check out our brand new website, the storyboxpodcast.com. Uh, If you want to send us an email, you can do that. If you would like me to share the story behind the story box, you can also do that as well. Uh, Just don't be afraid to reach out. I'm more than happy to help where I can and share uh, incredible stories, including my own. Um, But yeah, guys, enjoy this episode. So you know what time it is. It's time to dive into the story box and hear the incredible story of the passionate and enthusiastic Dara Hayes, or otherwise known as... DJ Tiger Lily.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me on today. And it's actually Adidas, not Adidas. So Adidas is how the Americans say it, but it's actually a German brand in its roots and they pronounce it Adidas or Adidas.
1: How about that? It's kind of like, how do you say broccoli? Is it broccoli broccoli or broccoli?
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> I always say broccoli, and it annoys the living daylights out of people because they're like, "No, Jay, it's broccoli." I'm like, "No, it's broccoli."
0: <laughs> I don't know. I actually don't know about that one. That's such a bizarre one. I've never really heard someone say broccoli.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh,
0: Is broccoli broccoli like? Would it be one broccoli, two broccoli?
1: I don't know. I just I don't know. I don't know where one.
0: <laughs> Someone find this out and tell Jay ASAP because he needs to sort it out. Someone
1: someone help me. (laughs) That doesn't mean I'm going to stop, but anyway. (laughs) Dara, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. I normally have one question that I love asking people to sort of start things off, which is what does success look like to you?
0: Love that you start things really light. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um so for me I think success is really about finding something that makes you happy and doing it to your best ability. Um and adding to that being able to flex and change with whatever that happiness looks like throughout your life. Mm -hmm. Um, so for example, 10 years ago, um, my idea of success was incredibly different to what it looks like right now. And I'm sure it's going to be incredibly different to what it looks like in another 10 years. Um, but for me to be able to structure and balance all different elements of my life, um, work, play, family, friends, um, health, mindfulness, in a way that is productive and allows me to be the happiest, most awesome version of myself possible. That for me right now is success.
1: That's awesome. So 10 years ago, what did success look like to you?
0: Mm, 10 years ago, I was 18, um, fresh out of high school, was straight in uni, um, studying to become a dentist and obsessed with DJing and clubbing and dance music. I'm still obsessed with DJing, clubbing and dance music, but my obsession is very different. Um, so success back then, I think looked like DJing and DJing only. I didn't think about anything else. I thought about no other factors in my life. All success was right then and there was me being able to DJ the biggest, best, most awesome parties that I could. And to be honest with you, I think that obsession and that um, that blinker Vision, that's not the right phrase, but you know, like you know, having blinkers on and only looking at one thing that kind of obsession with dance music and DJing um, was part of the reason why I think I achieved so many of my goals and did become successful um, in the dance music industry Mm -hmm. because I was so focused on that goal all the time. I wasn't thinking about my health, I wasn't thinking about my family or relationships or anything else, even my university degree, I wasn't even really thinking about about that. I was just kind of doing that on the side, um, getting through. Uh, So yeah, that's what it looked like 10 years ago. And um, obviously over the last 10 years, it's changed a lot, which is cool and awesome. Um, And that DJing and that success, I suppose, is still a big part of what my success picture looks like, but now it's only a part of it. It's not the full 100% picture.
1: I think when you're 18 years old, and I I can resonate with this with you, you kind of have tunnel vision. So you sort of have like you're focused on one thing and one thing only and nothing else really matters. But then you sort of realize as time goes on, hang on a minute, um, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not happy. And it's kind of like, why is that? And, you know, I, I went through last year, I went through a difficult breakup. I also went through, I was in a career in real estate. I was doing very, very well, uh, but I was not happy, not fulfilled. And I sort of, when I left, I fell over the moon, but then I was still lost. I still had to find my, my new identity almost. And I went on a, on a journey. <laughs> and uh, that's pretty much how the story box became about and figuring out that I wanted to help people. Uh, first and foremost, and trying to understand what that actually really looks like. And I think it's, it's very true, like happiness and success, they, they play hand in hand for many people. Um, I'm curious to know what are the things that actually make you happy today?
0: Yeah, so many different things now. Um, My health is a really important one uh, because I've been through some periods of poor health and that's really made me realize that being healthy for me is such an important factor on my overall well-being. Um, Relationships is obviously a massive one, whether that be with my partner or with family and friends. Um, My dog as well, he's great um and then just being able to do extracurricular things hobbies which i'm kind of interested in that i may not have had or made time to do before like yoga like pilates like going and hanging out with my friends reading new books and learning about new things listening to podcasts um just doing things that i enjoy and they all sound kind of pretty boring i'm not you know jumping out of planes or you know climbing skyscrapers but they're things that make me happy and make me feel um really fulfilled
1: Mm. so you mentioned there for a moment that you were in poor health for a little bit of of your life can you be able to share what actually happened
0: yeah, absolutely. So, um, long story short, I was traveling a lot, partying a lot, not sleeping a lot. I was really burning the candle at both ends and not giving my body what it needed to. I suppose um, live a healthful life. Um, and then I kind of started to develop symptoms of poor gut health. Uh, mm. And if you know anything about gut health, it really is affected, or it affects everything, and is affected by everything. Yep. Um, so your sleep, your stress, your food, all of it and similarly it affects you know your energy, your moods, your skin just like everything. Um, so I ended up being diagnosed with, um, like low level Crohn disease, which is like an inflammation, inflammatory disease. Um, and that was when I was like, okay, cool. Now we know what's going on in my body or one element of what's going on in my body, time to get to work and fix this thing. So I was having a lot of different I suppose, symptoms of that from the Crohn's, but it was, yeah, playing into my moods and my energy. Um, I was pretty lethargic. My skin wasn't great. I'd put on a bit of weight. It was all these different things which were like giving me just a crappy feeling about life and myself in general. Mm. So I kind of took it into my own hands as well as going and seeing and working really closely with a GI and some gut specialists and naturopaths and acupuncturists. I also went vegan and, um, moved to like a whole food plant-based diet, which was just the best thing I've ever done Mm. for sure. And, um, yeah, I now have a really awesome resilient stomach, um, and I'm back to normal, which is great. I'm fully off for the medication that I was on before, which is really, really great. Because um, with diseases like Crohn's, they often want you to be on medication for your whole life, um, which isn't a great thing. Um, so yeah, I'm totally medication free now and have been for years. So that's really awesome.
1: Wow, that's that's great to hear. Honestly, and I don't, I I can resonate and relate to a lot of what you said in terms of the gut health problems. I spent nine days in hospital in absolute agony, uh, trying to get my gut back on track, because I did it to myself. What happened? You're gonna laugh at this, um, but I did it to myself, right? So I went through a phase, it was pretty bad, uh, that I cut out all carbs, and all I was doing was eating my one kilo bag of spinach and cheese sauce, Every single day. Yep. What? Yep.
0: <laughs> Why did you choose those two foods?
1: Um, I had a, a, an obsessive compulsive disorder. Um. Okay. And I just if I I didn't really understand balance that well. And I, I had <laughs> addictions and I thought, okay. I thought I was like Popeye. So the more spinach I had, I felt like I was gonna get stronger, but it went the complete opposite. And I ended up going from 72 kilos down to 53 kilos a stick. Um, And I was running for two hours every single day. Plus working out for 40 more minutes after that. Jesus. Yes. Oh my
0: God. I
1: know. I realize that now, but back then you you couldn't tell me, you couldn't tell me that I was an idiot. Um, My mom tried to many, many times, but eventually, you know, very much like you, I was burning the candle at, At all ends, and I collapsed. I started going yellow, and when we got back from a a cruise, then um, I I went to the doctor and told the doctor what was happening, and she's like, "You need to go to hospital." So I went into hospital, and then pretty much all my dignity was stripped in four days, and then it was extremely painful, and then I went home for about a week, and then I was back in hospital that Saturday at the Sand Hospital. Uh, this time under a gastrologist, a I can't even say it. Um, Yeah. And uh, he basically said to me, he's like, look, this is what we're going to do to you. We're going to give you all the stuff that we give you uh, before a colonoscopy, but we're going to up the dose. And they had to flush out my entire system and make sure that it was reset, basically. And then I ended up contracting SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. (laughs) Yep. No. Uh, <laughs> so it's a full-on story, Dara. I kid you not. Um, but I, I'm much better now. Uh, I eat. Are you 100% better? I'm 100% better. You know, awesome. I, I managed to. Most of it was all mental, and then I transferred mm. all that mental crap out of my system and fixed myself, <laughs> basically. But it took time. But um
0: Yeah, your gut is such a uh such a mental thing. Whenever I get stressed, the first thing to go is my tummy always, even now. Like it's a good indicator of when I'm not happy, my tummy will be feeling funny. So mm-hmm. it's awesome that um you've identified that. But the craziest thing is that like so many GIs, I think you could say it gastroenterologist. Yep. Um they I know my one, he was not very up with any of like the new thought around gut health, um, so didn't particularly want to hear about um, decreasing inflammatory foods like meat and dairy, and didn't want to hear about things like acupuncture or meditation to decrease stress and the change that any, the way my energy was flowing throughout my body. He was like, nah, it's all woo-woo, but in the end, I really think that's what fixed me. <laughs>
1: How about that, right? I mean, I remember going to see uh, a naturopath as well, and at first, I was like, "Nah, this is this is stupid. Why? Why? I don't, I don't believe in that." But she ended up fixing me too, so I was like, "Oh,
0: mm. now
1: I believe it." <laughs> and yeah. our family decided um, to go. Yep.
0: Yeah. I think it's just really important that people find really good quality practitioners. Cause I think the worst thing is for us to be like on podcasts being like, yeah, I did this, I did that. And then they like, they have a really serious disease. And instead of going to the hospital, they go to like a naturopath. I'm like, no, you need to like do the Western and the Eastern and make sure your practitioners are really, really good. And it's hard to find them these days. Um, especially really good gut practitioners. I worked with an awesome girl called Alisma Lambert right at the end of my journey when I was getting better. And I felt like I just needed someone to push me 20% further over that edge to like everyone's after a good gut practitioner, Elizma Lambert, I think is her name.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important, like bouncing off what you just said, Go to the doctors, um, find what's wrong. Don't Like I've been speaking to someone that said, if your body, if you, if you experience pain, that's not normal. Your body's trying to tell you something. So go to the doctor and say all your symptoms. Don't keep it off because it could be serious. I did that for a very long mm-hmm. time. and ended up being so much worse for me. So if you can learn anything from me, uh, go to the doctor straight away. Don't think that you, you know everything like I did. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) so, but I'm curious about this choice to go vegan. Now, um, I'm personally not a vegan, but I'm always curious about what, what does veganism entail in terms of like, what do you, um, eat on a regular basis? Um, how has it actually really helped you that sort of stuff?
0: Mm, Yeah. So I initially went vegan for my gut problems directly. Um, and I wanted to see if having whole food plant-based diet would really help me health wise, which of course it did. I'm under the opinion that like having a 90 to 95 or a hundred, so 90 to hundred percent plant-based diet is the way to go for all humans. Um, sure that 10% can be flexed with, you know, people who have really specific needs or, or disorders. But yeah, for me, or my opinion is that it's definitely the healthiest diet. Um, my health improved in leaps and bounds, my energy, my skin, my hormones, like everything just like fixed itself and aligned itself, which was so awesome. And this was happening over a period of like 12 months. So in that period, I was like, shit, something good is really happening in my body. What is this? I've got to suss it out. So then I started looking into what veganism actually was from a, uh, I suppose a lifestyle perspective and why people actually were went vegan mm. apart from their health. And I started to watch and read and learn all about the environmental impact, um, that the animal agriculture industry has on the world. And then also, of course, um, the animal rights element of it and I suppose the moral and ethical side to veganism. And I can definitely say now that the main reason that I'm vegan is from an animal rights perspective. I really truly believe that um, the way that we do things these days, the industrial industrialization of um, animal agriculture has just really created... Such an incredible darkness, I suppose, over our human race. Um, it's not right the way we treat animals, the way we breed animals. And funnily enough, it is the main thing that is killing us and our planet, which is pretty mind blowing. You know, we grow and breed and torture and murder these animals. We're talking like seven trillion a year. 7 trillion, like that's just ridiculous. If we killed humans at the rate at which we kill animals, the human race would be extinct within two weeks. Mm. Mental, absolutely mental. So we're doing all this awful stuff to these animals and it's literally making us sick really fast. Like eating inflammatory animal products is one of the main reasons why people get heart disease and diabetes and all this crappy stuff. Mm. And as well, it's killing our planet. Like I think animal agriculture accounts for something crazy, like maybe 18% of like carbon emissions and things like that. So it's really negatively affecting our world. So I don't know, my parents taught me to be someone that like looks at all the different information that you have and make the best decision from the information that you have. You don't ignore, you know, Information and so after learning all this stuff, I was like, Well, there's no other option for me than to be vegan. Like, I couldn't not be because it would be a disservice to not only myself and the people around me, but it would be a disservice to the environment and, of course, the trillions of animals that are killed every year. So, yeah, it's made a massive impact on my life and it's changed everything about me from the way I feel about myself to my relationship with food and my relationship with my body. I like love my body and I'm obsessed with my my body now. I'm so grateful for it every day. And I never used to be like that. I used to have quite a poor relationship with food and my body. Um, and it's given me energy to do my awesome DJing work, um, and inspired me to look at other avenues of work, um, in regards to like animal rights stuff, which is very, something I'm very passionate about and is very empowering. Um, and yeah, I just it was, it's the best thing I've ever done. Sorry I'm rambling, but I just yeah, it's as you can tell it's something I'm really passionate about and um for one simple thing, like changing what you eat mm-hmm. and the types of products that you purchase, like that really one simple change in your life can have like the most mind-blowing impact because it makes you think about everything totally differently. Like three times a day, I consciously go into my kitchen and make myself some food. And every time I'm like, fuck yeah, no one suffered because of this meal. Like I didn't kill anyone. Like that's awesome. And every time I'm looking at my dog while I'm like, you know, making my food and I'm like, I can't imagine that someone would kill you just to eat something. Like it just, for me, it just doesn't compute. So Yeah, I like to talk about it a lot and try and inspire other people to start living a more compassionate life because it's so easy to do these days and delicious and fun and great.
1: (laughs) Is uh, being vegan expensive? Just out of
0: curiosity. It's so cheap. It's so cheap. So you can make it expensive like anything, right? (laughs) If you're buying fake meat all the time, super high end ice cream, vegan cheeses from like your like, specialty shops. Yeah, it's expensive. But if you are eating the healthy things, fruits, vegetables, beans, rice, potatoes, pastas, all that kind of stuff, it is so bloody cheap. It's ridiculous. And even now with, I suppose, things becoming way more accessible, um, things are so cheap. Like so delicious is a brand that I love their ice cream so much and I buy it all the time. And I literally was just on woolies.com before this. It's half price at the moment. So you get a box of four ice creams for freaking four four fifty or five dollars. That's cheaper than normal food, people. So I think it is cheaper. People just uh like to think it's more expensive because they're looking at all the, you know, the crazy processed vegan meats and um like the cheeses and things like that, which yeah, they are expensive.
1: Mm. And those processed stuff isn't exactly good for you, is it? Even though it's
0: nah. vegan. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. It's very easy to be like an unhealthy vegan. Um I love to eat that stuff. It's delicious, but I try and have the majority of my food, fruits and veggies. Um And, and yeah, then I eat that stuff, you know. I have, like, delicious things every day, but the bulk of my diet, like the 70 or 80% is made from, like, fruits and veggies and beans and tofu and stuff like that.
1: Do you find there's a lot of variety with being vegan?
0: Absolutely. Like, think of anything that you can eat non-vegan and I can find it vegan. What, 100%?
1: Unprocessed, just organic.
0: Like unprocessed and organic. Organic, yes, you can find everything organic. Unprocessed, not so much. Like a lot of the vegan meats and eggs and things like that are often processed. Um, But even these days, like there's this incredible meat that I eat. It's called fable and it's um, a mushroom meat. And it's like simply a whole different type of mushrooms shredded up, dehydrated, then rehydrated, then dehydrated. And it's really simple and really healthy and tastes like, like beef. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. So there really is no excuse for people these days because there's every single option under the sun. There's so much variety. Like even when I went vegan almost five years ago, there was nowhere near the amount of variety that there is today. It's pretty crazy how food technology has come such a long way in the last couple of years.
1: Oh, no doubt. I, I personally, like I said before, I'm not a vegan. I wouldn't make a very good vegan because I'm very fussy. <laughs> I'm a fussy eater. I'm, I'm a lot better now than I was before, but um, I, I, like, I have an acquired palate, you could say. Um, mushrooms is not a friend of me. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Are you I know, kidding? I know it's going to cause a lot of hate. They're like, what?
0: <gasps> hey, come on. You're living um, a sad life, my friend.
1: Yeah, yeah, but yeah, probably right. But um, I, yeah, I just, I've never,
0: mushrooms are amazing.
1: I've never liked mushrooms or avocado. So those two things I try and and try and try chuck out of my, my life. I know I can see you're, you're stressing like... <laughs>
0: avocado guy. is literally my favorite food on the planet you are crazy <gasps> what it, maybe it's the texture
1: i think so same with bananas for me like i just don't like the mushy, mushy. <laughs> and the you're calling
0: out all my favorite foods <laughs> bananas mushroom avocado <laughs> uh.
1: This is just part of a great friendship. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> <laughs> you hate all of food, <laughs> um, but lucky
0: we don't have to like the same stuff.
1: <laughs> that's true. That's very true. But I, I agree with you in in the way that animals are treated. Um, I'm an animal lover myself. I've got a German Shepherd dog, and you know you would never see me at all hurting any animal. Like my my heart just does not compute neither does my brain like even if it's a mouse for goodness sake I mean like I'm such a softy when it comes to that I know mice breed like a plague and it's going out of fashion but just there's life so I don't like that life being taken away I don't know what it is about me I just don't animal or not I just don't like life being taken away if I, that makes sense
0: so do you eat meat and dairy?
1: I do, yeah, but I'm not thinking about the animal being killed. So
0: let me play the devil's advocate. Instead of you killing the animal, you're paying someone to kill the animal for you in a place that you can't see it so it makes you feel better about yourself.
1: (laughs) Yes. So I think, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just Just think about that. (laughs) It is true.
0: It's good to think about. Because people don't think about it. People really want to dissociate with our food. Like, if you had to go, like, let's say tonight you're going to have lamb for dinner. You had to go and kill a little baby lamb, you'd be having tofu 100%. And I think about 99% of the population would be having tofu with me, you know? But it's like, we are so disconnected from what we eat. We don't even see on the packet what it is. It's just like, clean, no blood in plastic. I think that that is like a massive problem for the whole food industry is that people are so dissociated with what we eat, you know, like you pull an avocado off the tree and it looks the same as like what you get in Woolworths. You have a baby lamb and have to kill it. It's pretty different story to what you get at, you know, at the supermarket to the to the process.
1: Mm. I think it's just the way we see stuff.
0: Even fish have the ability to think and to learn and to feel pain, but trees aren't like that. They're totally different. So I I understand what you're saying and a lot of people do kind of think that way, but it's totally different. Like it's like comparing apples and oranges Mm. or apples and baby lambs.
1: Yeah, that's very true. I I think... (laughs) I think it's good to think and at the end of the day I think it all does come down to a choice and what does work for a person. I just know I wouldn't make a great vegan at all.
0: <laughs> hey, so I've got some really cool vegan friends that are like big vegan activists and they were the biggest carnivores before they went vegan. Like they were like fuck vegans. Like they hated the idea of veganism. Uh- <laughs> Seriously. So there is really hope for everyone. Um, even me. I used to tease my vegetarian friends. I was like, that's lame. Just eat meat. And now I'm one of them. So there's definitely hope, I think, for everyone. It's just about finding a reason as to why you want to do it. And it's about, I suppose, realizing that all these lives um, that are taken away from these trillions of animals every year are actually important and our taste buds sure they're important but they're not worth someone dying for you know
1: Do you ever think though that if we didn't kill these animals we'd have an overrun on the population with animals
0: no well it wouldn't be the case because people wouldn't be breeding them if we didn't kill them like let's just say a chicken a chicken farm has a thousand chickens and all of a sudden people stop eating chicken. So he can't sell the chicken. So a month later, he's still got a thousand chickens, or he might have 800 and 200 chickens that have been killed and are in the freezer waiting to be sold. And he just can't sell them. It's going to put him out of business before the chickens breed and overrun his farm. Because when you think about it, most of the time, these animals are like raped or it forcibly inseminated, I suppose. Um, they're not allowed to breed naturally. It's not like a mum and dad being like, yay, let's make a baby. Like the women are actually raped. And so it's all very, very controlled. So yes, if people continued to breed and none of the animals were being slaughtered, Maybe there'd be a lot more animals than we have today, but when you think about it from a logical and realistic perspective, as how it would happen if we stopped eating as much animal product as we do, things would change before animals say overrun the place. Because at the end of the day, they're in captivity and they're being bred for a purpose. Um, And these farmers know how much they're selling, they know how many new animals they need to breed every year to kind of keep profit and to keep kind of. Um, the demand or keep up for the level of the demand. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. There's been like a massive decline in dairy sales um, and a lot of dairy farmers are changing over to nut milks, which is really exciting. Um, and they're doing that as a result of seeing way less need in the dairy industry and seeing the numbers drop massively, which was exciting. Um, and then seeing a need and a real market for these nut milks and oat milks and soy milks and things like that, which are like infinitely better for us and for the planet. And of course all the cows too.
1: Mm-hmm. I saw a, um, a funny video from Jake Jack Whitehall and he was talking about walking up to get his coffee and then he asked for a, a black coffee or something like that. And she's like, do you want it with skim, oat, uh, almonds, uh all these milks, and he's like, I just want a coffee, like <laughs> with milk, and he's like, that's the way we're headed. And he's like, you got um, you got a milk. He's like, stop milking things. You got milk. <laughs> <In the
0: world. laughs> it's so true. We've got so many different types of milks now, but you know what? It's awesome. Like the choice is amazing, and like I personally just have black coffee, but. I used to have oat milk lattes or um, soy milk lattes or almond milk lattes and they all taste so good and there's no cruelty involved, which is awesome. So yeah, it's definitely, it's not even like a comparison with the milk kind of situation. It's like a direct upgrade. No animals are killed. It's way better for the environment and it's way better for you and it tastes better. Mm. Like where's the downfall? There's no negative. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, love, I love my almond milk, to be honest with you. Like when you have strawberry almond milk and there's a, a company that I buy the almond milk from, they're called uh, Nourish, Nourish and Care, and it's from a pharmacist. So he knows, pharmacist and naturopath as well. So he's very on the know about the health benefits of it. So it's pretty, pretty damn good, I have to say. The taste as well, it's, oh outstanding dara i kid you not um the best almond milk i've ever had you should
0: taste um yeah you should taste oat milk have you tried oat milk before
1: no i don't okay i'm not a fan of soy or anything like that
0: yeah okay the oat milk is amazing if um you're after like the creaminess and that really thick delicious like dairy-esque texture the oat milk really replicates that it's like it's the best comparison for me to like traditional full cream cow's milk in that the oats are really like thick and creamy and it blends really nicely. So yeah, if you can try that, try that at one point and let me know what you think. Cause for me, that's like yeah. my fave.
1: Well, thank you for the recommendation. I'll definitely have to check <laughs> it out now.
0: <laughs> Pleasure. <laughs> but,
1: um, moving a little bit forward or back a little bit, actually, um, to, how you got started as a DJ, you know, like, first of all, I want to know what exactly does a DJ do? Like apart from just being, I learned the other day that DJ stands for disc jockey and uh, I'm like, <laughs> yes. okay, what does that actually mean? Is like you spin discs or you, what, what what is it?
0: Yeah, so the word DJ is disc jockey and that comes from when DJ DJing first started when the DJs were playing on turntables with vinyl records. Um, So they had these big discs um, or records or vinyls or whatever you want to call them. And they were mixing them together. So the premise or the basic, I suppose, way for me to explain DJing is you've got an hour's time slot and what you need to do or two hours time slot or three hours time slot, and you need to smoothly and seamlessly transition from song to song throughout that time slot and take your audience on a journey. So you've got one song on the left-hand side of you on um, one of their called CDJs. um, And it's like a deck where you have the song playing. And then in the middle, you've got a mixer. And on the other side, you have another CDJ or turntable. And that's where the other song's playing. So you're gonna mix the left song, into the right song. And then while the right song's playing, you're going to change the song on the left turntable. And then you're going to mix the left song into the right song. And you just keep doing that, passing each mix one to another throughout the whole time period of your set. And in doing that, like, yeah, it's definitely an art form in that there's infinite possibility of what you can do. And not only that, but there's infinite possibility of what the crowd's going to be like and what the show's going to be like. And learning to play to a crowd is definitely an
1: art for sure. So how does someone become great at it?
0: (laughs) Practice. So much practice. Um, Yeah, I started practicing in my bedroom 10 years ago now and would just play, play, play for hours and hours and hours every single day. Um, And then in 2011, so a year after I started practicing, I found out about this competition called Your Shot and pretty much what it is, it's, it's like a young, it's a competition aimed at young people to try and get them learning how to mix and perform and kind of giving them a break into the music industry. So I did that and I ended up coming second in that, which was awesome. Uh we so there's about a hundred people in each year competition say and at the end of it you do like a six week we well, do a six-week training period and then at the end of that you do like a big DJ festival competition thing. So yeah, came second and then in doing that I got given a residency at Soho. Um which of, which is a nightclub in, or it was a nightclub in King's cross RIP. For those of you that, um, aren't familiar with like the Sydney clubbing scene. And, um, that pretty much like gave me my pattern.
1: It's dead now. King's cross.
0: Oh yeah. It's very, 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 very sad. Mm. But um, that gave me my kind of first, I suppose, foot into the industry and it taught me so much playing those like really late sets at Soho or really early sets at Soho um, really taught me how to DJ and how to read a crowd. And yeah, I have some really fond and fun memories from that club and just, of course, all the clubs that, you know, used to exist in King's Cross in Sydney. Um, and I I think people often ask like, was there a defining moment in your career or like what, what made things change and like take things to the next level? And there wasn't actually that there was no moment that that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people from the outside can often perceive you to be, you know, shooting up in the last, let's say five years. But when I tell people I've been DJing for 10 years, they'll, shocked because they don't really think about the five years that I was really young, hustling so hard, working the craziest hours, studying at the same time. They don't really see that and people forget about that. So yeah, there wasn't really any defining moment. It was just a lot of practice and a lot of late nights.
1: So basically 10 years to become an overnight success. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I I know the feeling, you know, it's not easy, especially doing something that you love and want to do and like the pressures that you have studying as well. It it can get crazy. Uh but you know, I'm I'm impressed that you've been able to make something of it. And you know, you you're one of, I believe, Australia's best DJs. And thank you. <laughs> that's that's a pretty, pretty big achievement. You may I mean you're sponsored by all these incredible brands. Uh and like that that's like a dream for me, you know like at, at this point, so you've yeah. you've already gone there done it, and you're extremely good at it, you're talented, and um I'm always curious about this do djs actually come up with their own music, or is it they're using other people's songs and then just mixing it
0: both. So I write my own music and work with singers and other producers, um, to create my own songs. And then I also play other people's songs in my sets too. So it's a combination. The traditional DJ looking just like at like the linguistic meaning of it, I suppose, would just be someone that's mixing other people's songs. But these days, every DJ is also a producer, often singers, often songwriters, just slashed into like one big kind of creative bubble. It's kind of like the same thing with the media industry. Um, I had studied media at uni and we were taught how to do video editing and radio editing and journalism, like digital stuff, like all these kind of things, because you have to know how to do everything these days. And that's kind of similar to the dance music industry um, in that you give everything a go these days for the most part, well, most DJs do.
1: Mm. and have you found that no sorry I want to ask you that question I've got a couple more questions for you if you don't mind this yeah of one, course this one might be a difficult one to answer but we'll see how you go if you could ask a question to anyone alive or dead who would it be why and what question would you ask them
0: mm, oh my god that's so hard oh my gosh I don't know let me think about it. Can we come back to it in five minutes?
1: We'll come back to that question.
0: Okay. I so, want to say something really profound.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone does. Trust me. Yeah. Um, it, it is a difficult question and I love asking it because it has so much meaning behind it. I'll tell you why when we come back to it and depending on who you choose. Um, mm. But if you were to be given another chance at life, what would you do differently or would you do something differently?
0: No, I don't think I would do much differently. I think I would have taken my health a little bit seri- more seriously in the early days, um, just because it definitely had an impact on my career um, and had to. It slowed me down a lot, which I'm really fine with now because it's given me an opportunity to do different things in my life that um, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um but, yeah, I don't think I would do much differently except for look after my health a little bit more, because when I look back on all the things that might have been errors or mistakes, um they've definitely created like really great learnings for mm. me in mm. my life, i suppose
1: mm. that's what I've found as well in, in my own life, and um mm. that's such a powerful thing, isn't it, when you go through. Moments in your life that are challenging, and you just learn so much more about the value of life than you would have if you didn't actually go through them. And mm. it's such a powerful thing. It's it's beautiful, really. It is like when you when you go through yeah. stuff and come out the other side. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um,
0: yeah, I've thought about my um my question for someone who's alive or dead. I often think that I would ask like a musician or an artist a question because obviously that's what I'm really passionate about and what I love. But -hmm. the things that I would want to ask them would be like, you know, how did you create this melody or how did you think of this lyric? And realistically they're like prodigies, they're geniuses. So they just do it. I think what I would like to know and ask is I'd like to ask Jacinta Ardern, you know, the New Zealand prime minister. Yes. And. Actually, like to ask her about what keeps her motivated and balanced and on all the time because she is literally the most superhuman woman that I've ever seen in my whole life. She has a family. She's she's just had a baby. She is running, like in my opinion, the best country in the world. Like just running it so well and for her to be doing that up against like all these other dudes who are running countries and absolutely failing at it. I'm just like, what, what gets you up? How do you do it? Tell me your secrets. What motivates you and how do you like stay, I suppose, positive when there's a lot of naysayers about, Um, Mm -hmm. especially coming from like a obviously male dominated industry. Similarly, I know that there can be a lot of issues in that. I would love to sit there and have a gas bag with her about all of that kind of stuff.
1: Mm, The power of being a woman. I think it's it's incredible. And she's done yep. she's done yeah, like <laughs> I don't know too much about her, but I've heard a lot about her. Um
0: she's amazing. You should um yeah, just just Google her. She's just phenomenal. I don't know how she does it.
1: <laughs> ah wow. Cinta Arden. Did not expect that. Mm. that? Mm. Okay.
0: Well, as I kind of said, like I I've often answered these questions like saying things in regards to you know artists that i grew up listening to wanting to speak to them about times in their life for inspiration but when you think about their answer it's probably just going to be oh i just did it you know i just created this song or i just wrote this lyric um and i'm like oh okay <laughs> because they're just so talented at what they do it just comes you know honest and like for me anyway when thing when i'm being creative things just kind of come out and you don't really have the words to explain how that happens it's not necessarily a process. Um, so yeah, I think I would like to speak to someone who is slightly more left field from what I'm, um, what my business and my passion and my work lies in.
1: Yeah. And also you you don't know, like expect the unexpected as well. So.
0: Absolutely. Like, have you read any of those, um, books that, uh, Tim Ferriss collated? Um, like it's, I've I've literally got them up here. It's like tools of Titan and there's another one. And he just like interviews all these people about like their different things that they do Mm. during the day. And there are sports people, there are comedians, there are politicians, there are journos, there's all these different types of people. And they all have such insightful information, um, which is super cool.
1: Mm. I know I've, Tim Ferriss I've listened to a few of his podcast episodes he's pretty good at what he does I have to say oh yeah someone to aspire yeah Um, Yeah,
0: he's amazing
1: brings the most out of his guests and I just love that uh it's just mainly having a conversation with people like what we're doing at the moment so uh my my final question for you Dara this is my legacy question and Mm. um You've reached the age of 100, and your friends have put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how they got it all. I just did. We'll call it magic. <laughs> and uh, they're showing it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life?
0: Yeah, I love this question so much. Um, I think what I would like it to show and say is that I inspired people to follow what they loved, follow their dreams and fight for what they believe in and do it in a way that is conscious and sustainable, empathetic and kind. Because these days it is so easy for people to follow their dreams or become obsessed with themselves. We are living in this world of like, you know, narcissism, times one zillion. Mm -hmm. Um and people aren't necessarily thinking about other people in the world or of course animals um and the environment. So I would love if I could live my life inspiring people to follow their dreams, whether it's becoming a DJ or a podcaster or an interviewee or a journo or a politician, but do it in a way that's really conscious of not only themselves but other people and like the world Mm -hmm. at large.
1: I think that's a powerful way to sort of end our conversation. Wow. (laughs) And just as your dog
0: opened your door as well, I was like trying to say this like really powerful statement and I saw this cute little puppy come in.
1: (laughs) She always does that. She's a big mooch. She she doesn't like being left alone. Um, Yeah, she's one of a kind that one. She thinks she's a human.
0: Oh, yeah, they all do. Mine's literally just lying by me right now as well and has been the whole time. (laughs)
1: Little legend. Yeah, they're
0: the best. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this conversation today. It's been so good. We talked about so many different things and I'm like really grateful for you for asking epic questions.
1: I don't like this part because it means, sadly, we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the Story Box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, Please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.